0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And welcome. We're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vet with Dr. Jeff. We're here for you. We're here for your pets. We're here to answer your questions to make unclear things clear, and just to help you out any way I can. And so can, we'd like you to join us. There's a couple of ways to do it. Number one, you can call us toll-free at 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. Or you can, better yet, join us live here on Zoom. Very easily done, either on your laptop or your phone or your iPad. You can go to Life Radio dot com and you click on your shows you scroll to ask the vets with dr jeff and there will be a link left to you there just click on that link and you will be here live to um you know have your pet with you and uh, we can answer your questions talk about anything you want to talk about your pets and uh, that's why we're here so uh as many of you know that uh join us on a weekly basis we start like to start our show with some news that i peruse on the veterinary websites, and by the way, break in anytime you want. And, and in general, you know, I get a lot of our information, things we're going to talk about from stories that I read, things that I think are appropriate, uh, stuff that I've done in the past week. Anything that, that you specifically would like to talk about, just get a hold of me. You can always reach me uh, here live on the show on Sunday mornings or afternoons, wherever you may be. Now we're nine o'clock in the west. We're noon in the east and whatever in between. And um you could also get a hold of me at just Dr. Jeff at petliferadio.com. dot com. So, uh, makes it really, really easy for you. No excuse. No excuse. I don't want you having an issue. In fact, interestingly, I had a great, I could attach a video. I'll I'll talk to Mark, our producer about that, but I'm sure you guys have like a next door, one of those things. It's like a a local neighborhood kind of watch communication. It's it's like a meeting place. So it's called next door and um, it's kind of a community within the community. So some woman writes me about a problem she was having with her dog and had a tumor, and then she was going to get it taken care of. But then COVID hit, nobody would see her. And meanwhile, this thing was growing and growing and growing. It was huge. And she finally got to one of the emergency specialty clinics, and they quoted her like $7,000 for this one surgery. The dog also had a thyroid mass, a thyroid tumor. And so the dog was hyperthyroid. We call that a functional thyroid tumor. And that had to be removed also. So uh dog was 13 and she just wanted some help. What do I do? How do I navigate through this? Do I do anything? It's 13 years old. It's an old dog. It's a big dog. So, um, I just answered her back. I said, look, I'm, I'm a veterinarian. I'd be happy to help you navigate. That's kind of what I, I'd like to do is, is take all the information from all the different sources and kind of help you put it together and make some sense out of it, and then make a decision that is based on real good data, good information. And by the way, the first thing I told her is age is not a disease. 13 doesn't bother me at all. As many of you know, I did surgery on my 15-year-old Labrador, and he lived to 16 and a half because of my surgery. So am I afraid of age? Not at all. So we got to talking and, and uh, turns out the lab work was actually pretty good. And I got her, she, she wanted to come in and let me see the tumor because I, I saw it on a picture. I couldn't even believe the size of this thing. And um, I just didn't know how resectable it might be. I, I wanted to know, is it, how attached was it to the body wall? Is body wall gonna have to come out with it? You know, all these criteria that sort of dictate how difficult or easy, or it was never easy, but how, how challenging the surgery would be. So anyway, she comes in and um, long story short, we did the surgery. Not not only did I do the surgery on last Wednesday, this past Wednesday, but the day after I saw her, another dog came in. An old client of mine finally found me since I moved to hospitals. And um, she has a little dog. And if I tell you the exact same place on this little dog is a tumor that looked exactly like the other one. It was the weirdest thing ever. So um, I had them both. They did them both. They both came out great. And uh, so you have to see what happens. But that's what I like to think my help could be my expertise, if I have any, and I don't think I have any. But if I had to kid myself and think I have one, uh, it would be helping helping you navigate through all the data that you get because it's very hard. You know, a lot of veterinarians, especially the specialists, all they do is they think about their specialty. They don't look at the big picture. They don't always look beyond that. And I've always admired specialists, and I and I do have one internist and one oncologist that I work a lot with, and they do that, and it makes a big difference when you're working. So anyway. Let's go on to some of the stories. If anything strikes a nerve, please feel free to call us or 877-385-8882. Or as I said, join us live here on Zoom. It's so much fun. So this was really cool. There's a particular disease. It's also very similar to a human disease. Um, and it is a congenital blindness that is, um, it's called uh, Libra or Leber blindness. And um, it is, it destroys certain cells in the eye, in the retina. Well, this was so cool. They use gene therapy. Apparently, the gene involved is, and I'm going to give you the name of the gene, because they have letters and numbers. It's NPHPS, uh, excuse me, NPHP5 gene. Oh, and by the way, it's a congenital blindness condition. So it's not from cataracts. It's not going to help that. help if there's uh, retinal degeneration on a whole thing, like certain breeds of dogs will get diseases, PRA and uh, PRD. So uh, or progressive retinal degeneration, progressive retinal atrophy, Those that's what PRA and PRD stand for. So anyway, second story. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, about how a lot of the primates in zoos can and do um, have been coming down with some COVID-19. So the Oakland Zoo is now vaccinating all their primates with a specialized uh, vaccine by, well, it's by Zoetis, which formerly is Pfizer Animal Health, for the COVID-19 So a vaccine. So that's pretty cool. This is a a story that we can only, it could have been predicted, I guess, because of us and how careless and ignorant we sometimes are. And um, so this, when I read this, I said it had to happen. So masks and gloves. Yes, they are protecting us. But because we, and I'm sure, I'd be so surprised if not one of you has ever found a mask sitting around on the ground somewhere in your neighborhood whether it's an alleyway whether it's on the street whether it's on someone's front you are seeing them i know you are cuz i am and la is not that much different in fact we are probably maybe a little worse but uh, but you know it's happening so they are now finding that these masks and gloves that we are discarding right are basically killing wildlife birds fish and other wildlife that are becoming trapped and entangled in them, you know, like with those plastic things when you got the six packs, and we were taught to you know cut them all over, so they there's no way a neck bird's neck or a fish's neck can get stuck in there. So it's the uh, same thing. We are we're not handling these well, and it's causing a big problem. And the experts that read this, obviously, this was some biology, environmental biology type of publication, that they feel that we are going to see these in our oceans, dozens and even hundreds of years from now. So. It's like finding this thing right here and you got the loops, right? And who knows what, you know, what, yeah, it's helping us. It's protecting us, but we need to be a lot more careful. If we're going to discard them, we need to discard them properly because it's going to kill. It is, it's not going to, it is already affecting our wildlife. So, and speaking of the COVID, because what would our show be at this time of, in this period of time, that COVID pandemic time zone is that they are a new veterinary SARS-CoV-2 vaccine registered in Russia that is going to produce antibodies for cats, dogs, foxes, and mink. And already, um, I, I didn't get the name of the company, but they are already making it. It's going to be out there. So I don't think it's that. that from what I know and what we've data we've uh, gathered so far, I don't think dogs are an issue. We know that mink are. We know that cats are. I guess foxes probably will be as well. Ferrets, I, I, I didn't see ferrets on this list. And ferrets should be on the list because they too, not only, well, they can get sick by it dogs apparently can carry it very short time, but what we call like a fomite, they're not going to get sick by cats can be affected. They don't really get very sick, but mink mink seems to be right now. The unfortunate winner of these animals that not only can get the virus, but they get sick on the virus. They can die from the virus and we know they can transmit it to uh, other animals and people. So this vaccine idea is a good idea. And I mean, these mink farms have had to destroy thousands of mink. It's, it's terrible. I, well, It's terrible that they're farming them in the first place, but it's more terrible that this is the way they're dying. So these poor guys are dying anyway, one way or the other, because they're either going to be killed for their mink or they're going to die naturally. We talk about food poisoning, raw diets. You know why I don't like them. You know why my raw diet is a a little bit unique, and as are some of the others that are doing something like freeze-drying or high-pressure processing or high-pressure pasteurization to eliminate the bacteria. But one of those bacteria, which seems to be very serious, is salmonella. We always say it's salmonella, E. coli, campylobacter, listeria, all the, the bad bacteria. So anyway, 19 people in eight states have already gotten salmonella and they think they've been exposed via birds. And it turns out that birds can be easily affected by eating bird seed that is already tainted or tainted with feces from other birds. And they eat them. They congregate at the bird feeders. They eat this stuff together and they get sick and they pass it on as well. And not only pass it on to other pets, pass it on to people too. And then while on that subject, you know how cute little chickens are. You know, you go to these petting zoos. Oh my God, they are so cute. Little, little, little hatchlings, right? Well, guess what? They too have salmonella and uh, they can spread it. So whether you are picking those little cute things up and you're giving them a little smooch, right? Yeah, you, know, you could be giving yourself salmonella. Uh, the kids are touching their hands and they put their hands in their mouth. They can get salmonella. So you need to be really, really careful Salmonella is tough. I mean, fortunately, it's not usually a deadly disease, but man, it's not a good one to have. So um, you want to be very, very careful when you're going to around birds. And when you go to those little cute little chickies, you might want to make sure that they don't have salmonella in their little uh, hatchery. Next, another good state. Hats off to this. Well, this is Springfield, Massachusetts, and they are taking aim at the puppy mills. And they just voted unanimously to ban the retail sale of dogs, cats, and rabbits from their pet stores. And uh, they've given them 90 days to clean up their act and get all those animals either sold or out of the store. And this is their way, which I totally agree with. I know many of you do as well, to stamp out animal abuse and illegal breeding. And, and that's what's happening. The, these, these breeders are doing a very poor job. We see a lot of sick animals So, um, this is one great, and these animals, the way they're treated, both at the puppy mill and at the store often, are pretty bad. So, this is a way that they are stamping it out. So, again, kudos to Springfield, Mass. Uh, We definitely would like to see more and more and more major cities banning the sale of animals like this in pet stores. Now, Los Angeles has done it a long time ago, and um, I totally agree. Anyway, when we come back, spring has sprung. We want to talk about some just good, simple things to uh, protect our pets during our springtime. So uh, uh, don't go away. We'll be back in a few minutes after these short words. Pets are part of the family. Make sure you can always afford the quality health care they need with Easy Pet Check, a nationwide pet insurance alternative. With Easy Pet Check, you'll save up to 75% on all your pet's health care at any licensed veterinarian in the U.S. Easy Pet Check accepts all dogs and cats, regardless of pre-existing conditions. Visit EasyPetCheck.com. That's the letters EasyPetCheck.com. Taking care of your pet can be easy with Easy Pet Check. Take a bite out of your competition. And welcome back. You're here live with uh, Dr. Jeff Werber here at Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff, and uh, we are at that time of year. It is like spring, and um, so what are we going to be doing? You know, hopefully we're going to start seeing some change in weather. Hopefully, many of us um, we've already seen it here in California. Yesterday was in (laughs) I hate to tell you in the '80s sunshine. It was gorgeous. Anyway, so. You know, first thing we want to do, we think about we have two things. Number one, COVID is, we are better in many, many areas, many cities, things are opening up. You know, we talked about, you know, covid 19s COVID-15, when it comes to the uh, weight gain that dogs are uh, are getting. We want to get out there. We want to exercise. We want to exercise. We, well, first of all, we're inside. We're driving ourselves nuts. So we want to get out there and have some fun, exercise. We want to exercise your dogs. We got to get back into that bathing suit shape. So, uh, you know, we're going to just get out there as soon as it starts getting nice out there and, and start running with our dogs, right? No. No, they've been sitting around for a long time. And uh, so, you know, before starting any exercise program, we want to make sure that, first of all, you should have them checked out by your veterinarian. Hopefully, hopefully by now, your veterinarians are at least letting you in, if they're not still, to have you sitting and waiting in a car. We've been through this before. How insane. I'm telling you, I can say this boldly. And that is, if your vet is not going to take the time to actually speak with you, real time, live, at at least on a telemedicine app, then you're going to the wrong vet. They're to have them sit there, you have no. I've, I've talked embarrassingly to a couple of my classmates that they said, "Oh, they like this because they don't want to have to deal with the clients. They just want to get the pet and and do the thing, and they and no one has to bug them and ask them all sorts of questions." That is not. That is the worst attitude I've ever heard. So, at the very least, either find a vet that's going to let you in. Or, and if you don't even want to go in, at least on a telemedicine platform where you are real time, you are talking, here's the vet on the phone and you're sitting there, you're in your car, but you're on your phone, they're in their office with Bowser on the exam table and their iPad or phone is right there and you are engaged in conversation real time with them as they're doing the exam. It's as if you are in the room with them. And that way you don't have a tech running back and forth and answering questions and then, oh, wait a second. And before you know it, your 20-minute, half-hour examination, your office call turned into an hour and a half because of all the crap going back and forth. So be bold. I, you know, With my telemedicine app, interestingly, we had a survey. We saw millennials, 34% of millennials will actually leave a vet's office if they don't offer some sort of telemedicine for one that does. So like I would say, say to these veterinarians, Hey guys, if you want to lose a third, your business, go right ahead, be the stupid way you're handling things right now. And, um, you know, my former, um, hospital that I sold to, they're doing, they're not letting people in and they're not offering real-time telemedicine. And I said, you know what, leave them because it's the worst thing ever. Uh, One of the reasons why we got into so many fights anyway, so you want to check out your pet first, make sure heart lungs, they probably gain some weight. So, you know, heartworms, of course, because springtime uh, we start seeing this in many parts of the country that are not year round, uh, like the South, like Louisiana and Florida, Georgia, Texas. So uh, in the Midwest, it's going to be start in the Northeast. It's gonna definitely be a problem spring and summer. So you want to get them checked for heartworm and start them on their heartworm preventative. This is a good time to do it. If you haven't been doing it all year round, Fleas. Another thing, if you're not using flea preventative and tick prevention all year round, for sure, you need to start now. So... Again, speak to your veterinarian, I would, I'm not going to name brands, but I will give you a class of medication. It's called isoxazolines. The isoxazolines there are four big isoxazoline flea tip products out there. Any one of them is very good. The ones that have been on the market for years, the ones with fipronil and imidacloprid, they are no longer effective. They are not working well at all. Selamectin is still working. So you can look for products with selamectin, S-E-L-A-M-E-C-T-I-N, but Fipronil, not working, imidacloprid, not working. These products have gone over the counter a few years, many years ago, and now there's so much resistance in the flea and tick world, uh, they're laughing. When you see those ads for these particular medications, I'm not going to mention names, but look for Fipronil or imidacloprid as your active ingredients, probably paid for by the fleas because they want you to use it because they know it's not working. Next, check your dog's feet when when you're gonna go outside. It's not kind of like a baby's foot; they haven't been working them that much, so they might be really smooth. So you might you don't want to do heavy running right away because when you do heavy running right away, you run the risk of getting like uh, blisters, calluses, irritation, cut pads, etc. And even though from a stamina wise, your pet used to run two miles, three miles with you, and they probably will again and will be able to again, but not not right out of the bat. You got, you got to go slow and you kind of work them up to it again. And of course, because of heat, you never want to heavy exercise them in the middle of the day ever, ever that stuff you say for early morning, late evening. Again, keep in mind in late evening, especially depending on where you are in the the country, the pavement gets very, very hot during the day. That asphalt, that cement maintains that heat for a lot longer after the sun goes down. So it might be nine o'clock PM. Sun might be down, and it's cooling off a little bit, but that pavement's still pretty hot. So keep that in mind um, as well. Um, uh, One of the things I recommend because of overheating is make sure you always have water with you. Read your animals. If they start panting, if they really just seem uncomfortable, stop running. You need to stop because some of our our pets love being with us, that they're going to follow you no matter what, even to the point of their exhaustion and collapse. So Another thing I like to do is maybe take a uh, bandana, wet it down, stick it in the freezer overnight, and then in the morning you wrap it around them in their necks, and that way they'll give some moisture as it melts and also some, keep them cool. So other than the, the fleas and ticks, the rising temperatures, being a lot of shape, another things that we worry about are foxtails. Foxtails are these little plant-ons They look kind of like weeds. They look like arrowheads, and they only go one direction, and that's in. And that we see them. I mean, literally in between digits, down into ears, up the nose, down the throat. Um, I once took about 30 foxtails out of a dog's tonsillar crypts. They are just all over the place. Up under the tail, you want to lift up the tail. So, you want to check the feet, check behind the butt, check the ears, check the nose, check the mouth for these little things. And they are birds and they only go one direction. So, it's a really, really big problem. And um, if they make a little hole, they migrate. Your dog's going to lick. You're going to look between his digits and you're going to see a drainage tract. You have to take them in. And you need to, we need to look for those foxtails. Usually we're lucky enough to find them. Sometimes not. We have to put a drain in. They will always follow the path of least resistance. And that is just to keep migrating upwards, upwards, upwards. So anyway, allergies, allergies, spring and summer allergies, much more common, seasonal allergies. Your dogs might start to uh, do a lot of scratching and, and licking in the groin area, underneath, the lower back. The lower back is often fleas. So again, speak to a veterinarian. There are some wonderful, fantastic anti-allergy products out there now that are not corticosteroids. They are not immunosuppressive agents like cyclosporin, So I really like them a lot. Speak to your veterinarian about them. There's either a pill that is extremely effective or an injection that I like even better because it's good for one shot. It's good for anywhere from four to eight weeks. So you want to speak to your vet about those as well. That is the best thing for allergy. Spring cleaning. You're going to be out there. This is the time that you are doing your thing around your house. Well, again, be very careful. Solvents, chemicals, bleaches, paint thinners, um, all those things that you might be using, these are extremely toxic, actually deadly for our pets. So you want to make sure they are locked away in an upper cabinet. to Use child care locks if you um, are, are going to keep them like under your, the sink in your kitchen, things like that. You have to be very, very careful. And of course, the insecticides. You're going to be doing weed killers in your lawn, and you're going to be spraying for ants and bugs and roaches, all that stuff. The rats, these are deadly for our dogs. So you have to be very, very careful about those as well. So I'm not trying to scare you that maybe you should think, well, maybe we shouldn't have spring anymore. No, of course we want spring. But we have to be very smart, very careful, very methodical, and just you know, make sure that what you're doing is safe, make sure what you're doing is nice and slow and easy, and you keep these things in mind to have a wonderful time rebonding. Well, I would say bonding in a different way because you've been, you've been stuck with your pets for, for much of the last year. Uh, maybe more so now than you would like, certainly more so than they would like. And um, just one thing you have to know, and I'm already seeing it, it might be very difficult when you go back to work because the dog, some of the dogs now are so akin to having you there and part of their daily life that dogs that did not have separation anxiety might start to show signs of separation anxiety. So that's another discussion we can have. If you want me to have that one, uh, just let me know and we can uh, we can do a little chat on separation anxiety and what you can do to help eliminate some of that problem, all right. Thanks for joining me here today on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vet with Dr. Jeff. We will be here next week, same back time, same back channel. And again, I'd like to hear from you if there's any subject that you would like me to discuss with you. Something that your pet is going through right now. Something that you are sort of stuck like by that client of mine in that fork of the road. What do I do? Which way should I go? Should I do it? Should I not do it? What are the ups and downs? What are the good, the bad, the ugly? Um, that's why I'm here to help you through that. So. Uh, once again, you can reach me at uh, drjeff at petliferadio.com. You can also reach me on AirVet, my uh, AirVet app, just Dr. Jeff Werber under Jeff's Telehospital. And I will do what I can to help you guys. Out. Have a wonderful week, everybody. See you next week. Let's talk pets every week on demand, only on petliferadio.com.